Hello, podcasters, and welcome once again to Sexplosion. My name is Caroline Shenya from carolineshenyacoaching.com. I'm your coach on all things intimacy, relationships, sex, and superconsciousness. This is my podcast teaching you about how to sexually liberate yourself to be confident, spicy, and fun around intimacy and sex, along with learning about how to build a great foundation for a strong, long-lasting, and passionate relationship. This is unfiltered, uncensored, and unexpected. So ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking about sex and healing today. We have Francesca Priestess from America with us, which is why it's a recording, whose work is in sacred sexual healing. And I'm going to be breaking the mold on this occasion as I'm going to ask Francesca to tell us all about her business, how she got there, and how she can help you herself. So thank you so, so much, Francesca, for being with us. A massive, massive welcome to Sexplosion. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have this conversation. I think we're going to get really deep into some of the nuanced expressions of sexuality and how that actually can transform a human's life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I know that everyone, I know I'm going to be pretty quiet in this. I actually might have quite a few questions, but um, this is really interesting because you you describe yourself also as a professional sex work and dominatrix as well. So can you just tell us how, you know, tell us about your business, what you do and everything, but then I want you to tell us how you got into all this and how you created your business. Yeah. So I name myself as like an erotic activist, a sexual revolutionary, but what I'm really doing is shepherding people through some of their most vulnerable, tender desires into places that are often kept in the shadows of themselves, of their own subconscious mind, and helping them see more of themselves in different ways, through different lenses. And I often say we're integrating the sexual shadow into a light of truth so that they can become more of who they're authentically born to be. And so that manifests in a lot of ways in my work. I am very open about the fact that I'm a full-service sex worker, that I am a professional dominatrix. I will professionally sub as a submissive to the right humans. Um, just last night, I spent eight hours in the dungeon working with a newly married couple who was looking to explore non-monogamy for the first time. And so there's a way that my body becomes not only a channel of having these experiences, but also as like a playground and the practice arena to do things that we don't really get to practice unless we're with someone who we deeply cherish, deeply love, right? We're in a partnership and that's where we make all of our mistakes. Like if we applied that kind of logic to any other arena of expertise, it would sound so dumb, right? Okay, learn how to make a beef bourguignon at the fanciest French restaurant and serve it to the most important person in your life on the first go. I mean, we would just never do that. But no. that's with sex. And so... 
my philosophy in this work is that hands-on sexual experiences, hands-on sexual learning is actually so important because you can't just talk about it. You can't just read about it. You have to do it. You have to get messy. And where my specialties and expertise come is in holding someone through the messiness of that learning process so that they can go into the world and have these divine experiences with their partners, with their husbands and wives, <laughs> with all of the juiciness that they want in the world. Well, listen, I'm going to, I would like you to come back again because what I've been searching for is somebody who's a sex worker and dominatrix. So I'd like you to come back and talk just about that one, one point because I'm fascinated by it and I'm pretty sure other people would be as well because you know, a lot of my audience uh, are as fascinated as I am. So what I want to ask you now is, okay, so how did that all start? I mean, did you have a difficult time in your life first for you to to realize all this? I mean, tell me how it worked for you. Yeah, yeah. When I was 19 years old, I... I actually had my first kinky dynamic and I was in How my old first- are you? 19. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm in my mid thirties now. So. Okay. Um, 19 years old. I started my exploration. I had my first threesome when I was 17. God, so just- that is incredible. <laughs> my God, to think I waited till I was like, how old was I? I must've been about 48, something like that, 47, 48. But you know what it was? It's because I was suppressed. You know, I was conditioned by my, my childhood, my religion, you know, is Catholicism. I'm not, I don't practice it, but that's what I was, you know, told. So that's why I, ah, oh, but you obviously didn't have that kind of upbringing, did you? Because obviously you're very open. So funny because I absolutely did have that upbringing. I was just born with this rebellious nature. So one of my first memories of rebelling against the status quo was actually in church sitting in the second pew with my mother and my sister. And the priest was talking about how wrong homosexuality was and basically shitting on gay marriage. And, you know, at that age, I'm nine. I'm, you think all adults can do everything. You know? So I looked over, I remember, at the, the people around me and was like, aren't you going to do anything? I knew at that age what he was saying, what the priest was saying was wrong. And when I noticed that no one was going to do anything, and I had no I had no power as a kid, I got up from the pew, walked and marched down the center aisle in protest and just waited in the back of the church. I was like, I'm not sitting through this. So this is the kind of energy that I've just had. I have no idea where it came from. That I, is I, incredible because I, I didn't know what the hell um, because when I was in church, I didn't really, I had no interest and I didn't even listen to the priest and I had Sunday school before that. So it was, it was just, and I, and I just, I was just dying for the day when I could just stop doing it all, which I did. And I didn't bother after that. But now you see, if I go to weddings or something like that, or, I don't know. I almost went to a um, a service, a Christmas service in in France, where I am now. Um, and I was thinking, oh my god, because and there's been christenings I've gone to when I've listened to the priest. And I'm like, okay, so you're not even supposed to. You're not even allowed to get married. You're not. A, you're not. A, I mean, they do. They don't get married, but they do. They do naughty things anyway, don't they? So, so 
who are they? How are they qualified to even talk to us about relationships? That's what I think. And I'm like, it's a load of, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to upset anybody in the audience, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, how, how can they possibly, you know, talk to us about these things? And yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. It's why I, I love this work and why I think I want, I really am, why I want to have these sorts of conversations mm. to normalize this yeah, work. Because exactly. You, you know, these, so there are lots of people who have opinions on things, but I mean, if you, once you've been in the trenches with people and you've done it, then there's sort of like a substance <laughs> to to how I'm able to teach this, even with you know, clients who just hire me for coaching services and things like that. But getting back to like, how did I get into this? Mm. Okay. So I really do believe that if I was born in a different era, someone, an elder woman in this lineage would have seen me in my youth and just taken me under her wing. But we don't live in a society that says we value sex workers. Nope. No, nope. they don't. So what happened to me was when I was 19 years old, I had an extremely transformational sexual experience in which I felt like the whole room dissolved. I was in this blissful state of what I call like this pure whiteness. There was just, and I, it's almost like how Hollywood represents when you die. It's, a, it's, that, it was. Yeah, it was that kind of, and I was 19 and I came back into the room and I looked at my partner and I'm trying to, I'm confused, I'm disoriented, I don't know what just happened to me. And I'm looking at him thinking that he also experienced that. And he's like, I'm going to go take a piss. And I was like, oh, wow, we had very, very different experiences, which was even more confusing mm. for me as a kid. And so growing up in New York City, I had access to a lot of spaces that I would say most of the world doesn't have access to. Meaning at like 23, I went to my first orgy. I just went to a sex party in the underground of New York City and I went alone. Like a crazy Anything could have happened to you, Francesca. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I have not only nine lives, I easily have 20-something lives, <laughs> I swear to God. You see, what happened to you is what happened to me when I was in my 40s and my sexual peak, you see. I did all of that. I went to my first parties. I went to the my first sex club. And I was like, people need to... That's why I do what I do, because people need to, to, to experiment with this stuff. I do lives every day on TikTok now. And I talk about taboo subjects and, 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 and I've been doing it three weeks now. So, so now people are starting to interact with me. It's great. I'm getting up to over a thousand people watch me now. And yes. And the thing is I'm, I'm like, and even like cuck holding or dogging or whatever. And I'm talking about it in my videos. This isn't live. This is on the videos. And I get so many people are saying, this is disgusting or, you know, not, not a real, a real man wouldn't do that. And so my, actually one of my videos is now, well, what is a real man? You know, why is this not normal? If people don't want to have a vanilla kind of, you know, that that's what society dictates, isn't it? That it should be like this. No, it's like people dictate, oh, sorry, society and religion, or whatever dictates, you should be stuck with, stuck. 
if you love the person, you're stuck with them, right? But you're with one person and that's it for the rest of your life. And I don't actually believe in that either because you learn from different people. You know, you 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 grow up, you grow. You're not the same person in your 20s as you were in your 50s. So, you know, it's, it's, it's I think it's perfectly normal. I'm now in my 50s with the love of my life. And I feel like now I've actually found the balance mm. in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. What you're touching on too is this like, there are so few pillars of society that will shepherd someone through this kind of self exploration. I mean, sexuality harbors some of the most, I think I said before, like vulnerable, tender, wounded, traumatized parts of us. And what we do is we say like, just go figure it out, you know, like go and we don't get what taught ha- anything, do we? Nothing at school. No, we no. don't get taught emotions. We don't get taught um, about the erogenous zones, about the body, oh, about, nothing. I mean, yes, the body, but not, not those parts of the body. No. And what we get taught, if we do get taught any sex ed is akin to like learning how to cook and only learning about food poisoning. Like that's how we get taught about sex. It's terrible, really. It's terrible. So I got myself into lots of situations in my mid-20s that were straight up harmful, right? I was was trying to explore kinky dynamics. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. This was before podcasts, before there were books written. The only examples of non-monogamy or of some kinky dynamics that we had were the swingers who were like the leftover hippies from the 70s who had the pineapple out on on their balconies or whatever. It's like that was our, those were our role models. So I so hang just, on, hang on. So, so just just picking up on that before we move on. Yeah. So yeah. they would put a pineapple out on a balcony so that people know that they would do swinging. That that was the covert signal to the well, world. Well, I didn't know that. You would have a pineapple on your yeah on your porch, or uh, you would invite other pe- couples over for dinner, and you would have like a porcelain pineapple right. on dinner party. And then the people who wanted to That's... stick around knew what that. I meant. always wondered how because I've been the way it happened with me is just it was all word of mouth, you know, from the sex club. It, that's how it kind of escalated. So that is brilliant, actually. Have they stopped like with the, the pineapples the seven- now? Yeah, because oh. now it's now it's normalized non-monogamy much more. But in the seventies and the eighties, that was more liberal. Signal. Yeah, that was the signal. <laughs> so I um I started my sex work be- just because people would say things like "You're really good at this," particularly in kinky expressions, and they would start asking to receive experiences. And in all honesty, I just felt like I wasn't getting a whole lot out of those dynamics other than I enjoyed the teaching aspect of it. I enjoyed watching someone go on their journey, but I enjoyed teaching through actually doing. So I started my my sex work um, in exchange for services. I did that a lot. Um, what do you mean? Come and do my laundry and then I'll like torture your cock, you know, something no, like that. Well, that's fantastic. 
<laughs> go go do my grocery shopping. So I was really attracted. To, I was attracting service submissives, um, and those were my first kind of rounds of clients. And then I remember the first time I so so before you carry on, money. can I just ask another question? Sorry, hold that thought. <laughs> yeah. How did you get those people? Did you advertise somewhere? What did you do? No, and even right now, I don't advertise. Actually, everything's been word of mouth. Very similar to how you just said, like at right. the club. I had people who had experiences with me and then would tell their communities and then they're like, Hey, can I get her? Right. Get right. Right. Mm-hmm. So and I liked enough. it that way. And the truth was I was living a double life. So I was also working a proper vanilla job and straddling both of these realms, which was you must've been earning quite a lot of money though. That must've been a great earner for you. It was a great time. It was a great time. I like amazing yeah yeah and what working in the corporate world did was actually create a veil of safety for Mm, me so mm. in my activism work now I say like I've never been a survival sex worker and we have to name that when we're talking with me so I've had a different set of hurdles to get over that that someone doing survival sex work maybe didn't have to, but they have plenty of other hurdles that I've never had to do. So when you say through. survival sex work, sex work, you're talking about people who are just on the line with money. They just have to earn money. That's yeah. what you mean, isn't it? Okay. But yeah. you're choosing to do it. It's not. I'm choosing yeah. to do it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first time I sucked a dick for money was probably the biggest growth moment of my entire life. I make a joke that I say, you know, one year in sex work is like 10 years of therapy because it brings up everything. It brings up everything, all of your wounds, all of your insecurities, all of your shame. I mean, just all of your authenticity, your imposter syndrome, every single fucking wound that people need to heal sex work brings it up and and it does it in a in a ruthless way yeah I was gonna say quite brutal right brutal I spiraled in shame for days because the truth of the matter was there's such a stigma against sex workers particularly full service workers and I realized oh I could never go back to being a woman who has not sucked a dick for money I can never go back now I am that woman and it took a really like deep dig into myself to love myself in the midst of a world that doesn't love people mm. who choose to do that. It makes you feel shame because it's mm. something that we shouldn't do. Right. I, I really need you to come back. And talk, yes, ma'am. Because I want to ask questions about the sex working thing and I and I can't do that today because we're talking about healing today aren't we so so yeah yeah um okay so you went through a lot of brutal shit and that was in your 20s was it sure was Mm. so you come out of all of that on your own right you didn't did you go for coaching or or therapy or something like that to get you you know your head in the right place I couldn't go to traditional therapies. It's a great question. Where I found solace and guidance. I was on the bathroom floor crying one day, as we all are. (laughs) And I looked up at the sky and I was like, you have to help me. And this was at a moment where I really wasn't a God. I wasn't into God. That was not part of my life. 
But that was the in instinct that I had to just like look up into the universe and be like, you better help me. Mm. And across my path came a woman who is now a high priestess for me. And I just joined her and I started studying under her. And, and when I you say she's a priestess, explain mm. what you mean by that. I think it can mean so many different things. For me, priestessing is in service through reciprocity in divine pride of what you're doing. And that can be doing anything. And so if I applied those three principles to my sex work, everything just started to make sense. Mm. I was like, of course, I'm in service to the world in reciprocity with someone else. I'm not a martyr in this work. I'm not a victim in this work. And I have divine pride in that this is beautiful work and I know the value of it. And so applying like those principles of priestessing in the world to this realm that is very misunderstood, um, that's who really helped me build the confidence. Um, and I don't think I would be having this conversation. I'd probably still be in the shadows if I hadn't met that woman. Um, wow. so now I'm fully in it. I'm fully in it. I when no you say you're fully in it, fully in what? My sec I no longer have a corporate job. So I am ah, fully right. my sacred sexual healing work, my divine dominatrix work, my temple priestessing work. Um, and last year, because I realized that more people needed to understand how the sexual energy can alchemize wounds, can heal us, is when I, I founded the School of Erotic Mysteries that really normalizes both light and dark expressions of the erotic as a way to heal. Because the erotic energy for me is medicine. Mm. And it's medicine that's your birthright. And it's our body's natural healing mechanisms of moving through a lot of the shit that this world dumps on us. It's just not given that kind of proper place in this world. So that's wow. my long-winded way of saying, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> Bloody hell. That, oh, sorry, I shouldn't even have said that. I'll have to cut that out. <laughs> Tell me if I can't curse because I'm a New Yorker. So no, 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 don't, don't worry. I mean, I don't know. I might not cut it out because that is me, really. I mean, you know, people don't like it. I'm, I'm sure people know me by now, to be fair. Um, you know, uh, so, so really what I'm understanding here is that you're not actually, there are two sorts of sex workers. So you're one that heals. You're one that helps them get through whatever it is that they're going through whatever you know conditioning they've had whatever trauma that they've had whatever you know is is blocking them whatever is is not helping them get the best out of sex they could possibly ever get whereas the other ones they're just they're not teaching anything they're just they're just surviving right that's the difference right well and even within the sex worker by choice arena there's so many different flavors and I'm usually using the analogy of like different goddess energies. So if, if you see me in my healing as, as a healer, a sexual healer, I'm very comfortable in the dark, in the cathartic, in the transmutational 
when someone's in deep emotional pain, being able to kind of hold that space so, so strongly and shepherd them through a very dark moment. There are other sex workers that I just feel are these children of Aphrodite, this like cornucopia of pleasure, right? The humans who help us feel so much more pleasure in our bodies. It's a very different flavor and there's not a better, there's no hierarchy. It's just what is someone being called to in their life that they would hire mm-hmm. someone? The same way that we have different doctors. You don't yeah. always need a gynecologist. Yeah. You don't always need a GP. You don't always need yeah, a surgeon, yeah. right? It's a different vibe. So so what I'd like you, you to, right at the very beginning, you touched on this newly married couple mm. and you said you helped them. So, so can you just tell me about them? I mean, did, have they been together for years and years and years and they're just – you know, I mean, because because a lot of the audience here will be thinking, why would an, a newly married couple go to a sex worker? Why would they do that? What what you know? Is it because they're they've been bored all their you know they've 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 done it all in their relationship and they just want to explore? Or I mean, you tell me what 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 is it? It I work with so many couples, particularly in the realm of desiring to explore non-monogamy and people come to me at so many different stages a lot of them have been in a relationship together for six I think the longest was like a 12-year relationship and they were I would say okay we want to explore this the one of the couples most recently they've only been together for about a year and but they have such a historical experience with other long-term relationships that were basically sexless and then they come together finally they feel the explosion and they just want to keep keep exploding right and so i i say that there's so much value in hiring a sex worker when you're desiring to explore non-monogamy for a couple of reasons one is you genuinely have no idea what you're doing genuinely you have no clue and you have no clue for a couple of reasons you don't know communication frameworks you actually don't know how to have these conversations around negotiations about boundaries around what your triggers look like what do you need when you're feeling triggered from your partner what's the what is the fire escape plan right we do fire drills in school why don't we do fire drills when we're in emotional triggers right Right. So there's there's those sorts of teachings that I guide people through. But then there's also a lot of pain that comes up because we've been conditioned into the, quote, mono normative. We only have sex with one person. Um, Feelings of jealousy are so tricky to navigate. And what's really helpful in the beginning is to go slowly and there's there's a sense that if you just jump into a play party or you go to an orgy with someone, like 
you're going to feel the pressure and you're probably going to do something you don't actually want to do. You're going to say yes, that your partner is quote allowed to do something that you really don't feel comfortable with them doing. And then all of a sudden you're fighting in the car ride home. Yeah. You're not talking the next morning. And I have chances are you're going to, that's going to end in a divorce, you know, and you're going to go to a sex therapist who is probably not going to be able to help so much because they don't understand non-monogamy. Most, most professionals are not trained in how to navigate polyamorous dynamics. So when you hire a sex worker, there's a real comfort, especially in heteronormative couples, like heterosexual couples who have only been with that sort with the other sex, the opposite sex. I am not here to steal anybody's man. I am not here to love your woman any better. And there's a comfort in that. I'm not here to come in between your relationship. I'm here to build your relationship to be even greater than what it is. That's very different than asking your best friend to have a threesome with you. Wow. I approach sexual healing space very similar to if you're going to sit at a psychedelic retreat, a good one, right? Because there is a preparation time there is the transformational experience, and then there's the integration time. And all three components of that are really important to someone's emotional and psychological well-being. And it's really easy when you use the um, psychedelic medicine as the analogy. If you just walk into a place off the street, have one of the most mind-bending experiences of your whole life, and then get thrown back into the world and be like, okay, bye, have fun with that. <laughs> like, things aren't going to go so well. Mm. That's what's happening in my temple space. We are bending our conscious awareness of who we are, what we do, how we hold ourselves, where we could go through erotic expression. And that takes preparation. And so part of the preparation process is having, I have a, one of the most extensive sexual activities and BDSM and kink checklists. And it's thorough around experience level, desire level, how hard do you so, want to so experience So is this a, a, like a questionnaire? It's a questionnaire that goes into nuance. Right. So it's not just a yes, no, maybe it's a real like finding the nuance of the activity. And what happens during the preparation time is there's a review. I review this checklist, but then I go into understanding the emotions behind why someone wants to experience a certain activity. So I'll give you an example around bondage. Say someone's like checks off, they really want to experience bondage. My follow-up questions are, what are the emotions that make you feel inspired when you say, I want to be bound? Do you want to feel helpless? Do you want to feel restricted? Oh, do you want to feel like a prisoner? Do you want to feel like, a, do you want to feel afraid? You want to feel surrendered. Like, what is the feeling behind the inspiration of, I want to do that thing? Because that's actually more important than I want to be tied up, especially from how I'm holding mm. the space. And so, even then, 
in just this preparation time, they're beginning to understand more of how their erotic nature is actually trying to express, right? Mm. When we're in the space, there's no abruptness. There is a languorous at least five hours together. So can I, before you carry on, when you say this space, mm-hmm. you're in a room? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I work. Yeah. I work out of a couple of spaces. So I'm in Los Angeles right now and I work out of New York City and there are um, spaces that are that I rent out that are perfectly kinky and perfectly sacred. (laughs) There's there's no like commercial feel to them. Um, You couldn't from just like being on the street rent this space. Um, These are sacred spaces uh, that are that are they're here. They're just hidden in plain sight. Excellent. And so would it be, I mean, describe what the room looks like. The temple space that I was in yesterday is my favorite place to work out of in Los Angeles. It's a four room space with different, different vibes on each of them. And so the most, I think, recognizable by most kinksters would be the space where there's um, an A-frame and chain falls for being tied up, being um, bound to a bench. Um, that's where the sling could go and bondage to a sling. That's where the St. Andrew's Cross is, um, where someone can get tied up and lots of impact. The spanking bench is there. On the other side of that, that big room is divided in two. On the other side, there's a full cage. Um, so someone can be caged up and I can have all of, we can play in that way. Um, there's a large throne for when people are to worship me. Oh, when the dominatrix. Yeah. Yeah. This is. mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Uh, It's mm -hmm. when you're describing that reminds me of, um, that, uh, room for, um, 50 shades of gray. The, the difference is there's, um, you know, remember, like, go back to your Catholic days. Yeah. Have you ever go to like, a nighttime mass where it's just by candlelight? Nope. No. The aura in the space is more of you are in holy right. temple Ooh. space. The, the lighting is deep and sultry and you can feel how the walls of that temple really are like a portal to take you outside of Los Angeles. I mean, you are just not, you're not in the city anymore. You are in a, and then you walk out and you're like, wait, I'm in Los Angeles again. <laughs> you go through some kind of meditational process to prepare them in, yeah, in that room. Yeah, you must do, yeah, you got to get them ready. It's kind of in the right mindset to, 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 to absorb this whole room and the atmosphere and, and the energy and everything, eh? Yeah. And what what we do during the so the on-ramp, you hit it right on the head. I will drop everyone into a very deep meditation where they can finally begin to come back into their bodies. Because even as embodied as we are, when we run through life and we're going through the city like crazy, there's a way that we just get stuck in our head. So there's a real moment and an arc of getting us back into our bodies because we're fully here. 
And then only we enter into the negotiation process. Because when you try to negotiate from a mental place, you begin to lose all of your intuitive draws. And what I say in the sexual healing space is when something really calls you, listen to it. Like there's medicine there. And we only can hear the whispers of those calls when we're fully dropped into our body. So then the negotiation process takes usually 45 minutes to an hour. We really are chatting about sexual agreements, especially when I'm working with a couple, finding the new ones. And and I will be almost to the point of being annoying around like, no, no, no. What about this way versus this way? You know, talking through different expressions of a shared sexual energetic experience because it matters. It re- like rushing through this process is just a, such a hindrance. Im- You're only going to regret it on the back I, end. I can imagine they have never had any kind of conversation like that ever in their lives. This is like a whole new world to them, isn't it? Yeah. And when you try to do that, just after, you know, there are plenty of articles out there that are like, you know, guides to a conversation until you actually have to form the words and express your Mm. desires, manage through disappointment, feel into how you are a resilient human being, and then express your no and manage through what it looks feels like to disappoint your partner. I mean, it's just a somatic experience that you cannot get anywhere else. No, that's the thing. Nobody communicates like that. That's why there are so many problems in relationships. I mean, the amount of men, Francesca, the amount of men that write to me every day saying, I want to do a threesome. I want to do cut coldly. My wife doesn't want to do any of it. It's mostly men that contact me. I never get any women contacting me with the same kind of problems. And so, I mean, some women may well be in their in their menopause where they they have no more, you know, the estrogen's gone, so the desire's gone. But 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 there are so many excuses that these women make to, for these men, and they love their wives so much they stuck, they stay stuck, and they suppress their own sexuality because they don't want to disappoint their partner and they they're in a marriage where you know they made their vows and they have to and it's like it's really sad to see that they can't you know express themselves as they want to um and and okay so the, so the wife may not want to do things like that but you know i i got a question in one of my lives he says he said my wife is doubting her sexuality i said what do you mean she's doubting well she thinks she may like women and I said, he said, well, what shall I do? I said, you've got to let set her free. You've got to l- allow her to, to experiment because you don't really want a wife that's being trapped in a relationship that she, 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 she shouldn't be in. And that will make her sad. It won't do you any good or her. He goes, oh, thanks very much. So it's like, that's just one person who felt brave enough to write to me. Um, so, yeah, and I, and I imagine, yeah, thinking now... my. I'm literally bringing it. It's it's my this eye is tearing up um, because the clients that I work with, particularly in the well, I'll, and I'll speak to both. What I've noticed in working with both humans assigned male at birth and then humans assigned female at birth, and like how that conditioning has affected how they show up in this yeah. space. So 
humans assigned male birth conditions as men have have been told that they can't let down their partner. They can't let them down. You're not allowed to fumble. You're not allowed to be vulnerable. It's a big sin. (laughs) You, you, you must. And it's so, it's actually really confusing for them because here most humans assigned female at birth presented as women. We're over here being like, we want our men to be more vulnerable. The minute they're vulnerable, we shame them. We actually don't know how to be with a man who is really vulnerable. And I've had so many clients of mine who are married and have tried to tell their partners, have tried to experience this with their partners, and they are just crippled by the judgment that their wives or their partners have given them. And so... I know a lot of people are going to say, have something to say, but I honestly feel like I save marriages. I think you do. By taking I think you do. married clients. You know, it's a shame because I said, I said to one of these men, you've got to tell your wife how you feel. He says, no, I've already done that. And she, she threw it back in my face. I'm like, oh, that poor man. Yeah. yeah. What I've noticed in working with humans assigned female at birth, when it comes to, when it comes to the erotic There's been a way that women have been conditioned to manage the experiences of everybody else and not for ourselves. And so when they see someone expressing desires in the realm of the erotic, it actually like stirs up all of the ways they either don't know what they desire because they've never done that exploration or they don't have the capacity in their throat to actually ask for it because they've never asked for what Mm, they want. Exactly. A huge, a huge worthiness wound. And so when I have women journeying through my school of erotic mysteries, what happens most often is because I'm normalizing a lot of kinky expressions and when they start to see what actual, like what's actually possible out there they start to say like, oh my God, that turned me on. I can't believe that that turned me on. Um, I have I've, I have a lot of virtual clients. And when, I mean, I've, I heard your introduction so many times on this podcast, so I'm at like the super conscious. When we are in virtual space together, we are moving into a play space that goes into the astral plane. That's how I experience it. My soul meets your soul and we come together even though we're not in physical time together it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful work i don't think it's diluted at all and i will be really honest with you i do have people who adore me so much that they do fly me to them wow (laughs) incredible yeah i know what you mean about being on zoom and connecting because i know i do all my work on zoom you know and um and there is a, you know, people people say, how can you be connected? You do, you do get that connection. I feel that connection. I can I can use my intuition on 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 people mm-hmm. um, and they use it on me. Although they don't know they can use it, they use it and they go, oh, my God. And when you tell them that you are absolutely correct, they go, oh, my God. See, there is that, there is that connection. One other thing I wanted to ask you, you've got a code called Explode, haven't you, that people could use? 
I do. Yes. The School of Erotic Mysteries is currently open for registration for this, uh, the summer solstice container. And um, that code will actually get you 10% off even the early bird pricing just for the listeners of your podcast. Oh, that's so, amazing. Very So everybody use Explode. <laughs> it goes well with ex- <laughs> Explosion, doesn't it? So listen, thank you so much for that. My last question I ask everybody is, um, if I may, if you were able mm-hmm. to meet the young 18-year-old you again, what would you advise? Regardless of what they say, your gifts need to be administered excellent wise words okay there you go everybody (laughs) what an amazing conversation thank you so so much francesca i've learned loads i'm sure um the audience has learned loads um another exciting conversation so listen everybody so um my link tree is written up here if you can see it link tr.ee forward slash Caroline Shenny for all my social media links. Next time on the 3rd of June, we'll be talking to Sarah Martin and she's going to be talking. She's actually been on before, but she's going to be talking to us about. Um, sorry, I'm going to say that a bit again. Next time, Saturday, the 3rd of June, we'll be talking to Sarah Martin. She's been on before and she talked about friends with benefits. This time, She's coming on to talk about bisexuality. So I'm looking forward to that one. So listen, thank you. Thank you very much, Francesca, for your time and talking to us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm pleasure. So uh, thank you for listening and taking the time to tune in. I love you all. See you all next time. To your success, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs>